Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We're super excited about our time together. We're jumping in today to a brand new series. Uh, Several months ago, we asked some questions, fielded questions from our online audience, from our campuses, and just said, hey, are there questions that you wrestle with, things that you wish somebody would answer for you or help you dive into or at least give you some more information to help you uh, find the answers and understand uh, the answer to to your questions, things you wrestle with? And so we called it, Can I Ask That? And so you submitted questions We put all those together, and we're going to try to answer some of those over the next few weeks in our time together. And so we're hoping that that, uh, as we dig into these things, that that God will open your eyes and speak to your heart, and He'll speak to your heart uh, through His Word over the next few weeks. Maybe your question, maybe one of your questions is the one we answered. And so today, in our time together, I'm going to talk to you about, uh, try to answer the question, or at least help us find some responses in God's Word to the question that of, can I lose my salvation? Which is a great question. It's, 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 um, it, it keeps people in, in, almost in paralysis sometimes. Uh, can I lose it? Am I saved? And, and, and I really think <clears throat> that as we look into this, you know, we're going to see what God's Word has to say about it, which is way more important than anything I'm going to say. And so here's a disclaimer for the message today. This is my interpretation of God's Word based on reading His Word, prayer, and looking at some supplemental resources to help guide me through what I believe is a biblical and accurate response to your question, uh, can I lose my salvation? But just like everything else, I want to encourage you uh, in in all facets of life, and especially when we have questions, is is for you to go to God's Word on your own, for you to go to God's Word Ask, read his word, ask him to speak to you in ways that only he can, and let him answer the questions that you have, uh, the ones that you share with us and the ones that we wrestle with that we, we find sometimes uh, difficult to share. <clears throat> but I believe that he has a plan and a, and a, and a, and a desire to, to walk with you through life and for his glory to be on display in and through you. And so he cares about the questions that, that you're asking. And so we're going to ask, we're going to, we're going to try to answer the question you've asked today. There's a difference though, <clears throat> in studying for this, there's a difference between assurity and security, assurance and security. And so security is, of the believer is something that, that, that God provides. God himself uh, provides the eternal security. Assurance is something we have based on that security. And so if a follower of Christ can have assurance of their faith because we know that the our eternal security is is bound up with God in heaven, and so assurance is something that a lot of people wrestle with. And, and I was thinking as we get ready to answer this question, I think that this question could be posed a little differently. And I think maybe the heart behind it, not knowing who answered uh, who asked the question because they were all anonymous, um, I think the the maybe the heart behind it could be how do I know that I'm saved? And so. Similar mindset, similar thought process, I think, uh, a lack of assurance. How do I really know that I'm saved? Uh, kind of tags along with maybe the, maybe the core reason someone will say, can I lose my salvation? <clears throat> and so either way, assurance is, the, is very important for the follower of Christ, and it can have tremendous impact on, on the confidence level that we live, our, live out our faith and, and, and trust in Him. And so security is up to the Lord. He holds our salvation. It's dependent on His strength to hold on to what is in His hands. We're going to look at some Scripture to back that up. 
Uh, the assurance part is, is believing that what's in his hand can't be lost or removed. And so assurance essentially is understanding and agreeing with the idea and the truth that we have eternal life in Christ. But there's, there's some reasons that we may lack assurance, and we'll give you three, three of them real quick. One, we can doubt the reality of our commitment to Christ. And so uh, maybe we just don't remember when we made that decision. You know, I, I think I did. Maybe I did. I don't really remember a, a, a moment in time where I remember that I made this commitment. Uh, number two, we can question how we accepted Christ, like the, the process, like the method that we used. Like, did I raise my hand high enough? Did I walk down the aisle fast enough? Did I wink twice and nod my head and turn my tongue sideways? Did I do the right things procedurally, like, did I walk in the, in the right process and method? I think not knowing that can sometimes, or questioning that can lead us to doubt and not have assurance. And thirdly, when we sin. And we will sin, but two things on it. How we respond to the sin in our life is, I think, an indication on, of the assurance. It has an impact on the, of the assurance that we have in our faith. I also think that there's a, there's a, um, a, a misconception that when I sin, that that separates me from God and I have to go through this process again. That every time I sin, I've got to make this commitment again. That I, that I lose this, that every time I sin, this void is put between me and God again, between God and myself. And, and, and I have to walk through the process again. I don't think those are accurate. Looking at security, it comes through a relationship with God. It comes through a relationship with God through Christ. That's how we uh, have security. Security is based on uh, God's gift, God's grace. We're going to look at a passage uh, here in a second. I want us to understand that, that this is about posture, not performance. There's uh, During this series, can I ask that, we're going to have some resources available for you, some additional resources. Uh, these aren't to be in place of God's Word. Uh, these are more to help you maybe give you direction in God's Word. Uh, some people that have asked these questions and wrestled with these things before that maybe God has pointed them to some specific places and they're going to tell you, hey, that's where I found the answer. And so today, the, the resource that I would share with you uh, that's going to be available to you either online or at our campuses is Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart by J.D. Greer. It's a resource we have in the past given to new believers, people that would make a decision for Christ. We wanted to get them, uh, get them stepping in the right direction and maybe a full assurance rather than beginning with doubt. But J.D. Greer in that book talks about posture. And so the, it's about posture, not performance. And, and just as I mentioned a minute ago, salvation is a gift. Like our eternal security, it's a gift from God. It is, it is from Him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, I believe, gives us a really uh, clear indication in God's Word that this is true. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's pretty clear. I don't know how we can misinterpret that. It is by grace through faith, and it is not anything you've done. It is a gift from God. Salvation is a gift. It is not a result of works so that nobody can boast. We can't do anything to earn salvation. Our works don't get us in a relationship with Jesus. We work because of our faith, but we don't work to begin faith. Faith, grace through faith in Christ it is a gift from God. God's word makes that very clear. And so because this is a gift from God, I just think salvation, since it isn't dependent on anything I did to enter into that relationship, I believe God's word is also going to make it clear that keeping 
salvation, maintaining that eternal security is not dependent on me either. That if it depends on me, then on a good day I'm saved, right? Man, if my marriage is good, my kids are listening, man, the bills are paid, and man, we got food to eat, and everything's kind of going the right direction. I had a quiet time, and I I ain't doing the bad things I used to do. Man, on a good day, I'm saved. But what happens on a bad day? Bad day comes, and I I cuss at my wife, I kick the dog, you know, I'm, I'm angry at the kids, and you know, whatever. I cut people off in traffic, and I do crazy stuff. What happens then is... But it's not a result of works, good or bad. And so on a bad day, I would be unsure. And so I think this is leading us to see that in God's word, he says that salvation isn't dependent on anything you did to get it. And it's not going to depend on you to keep it. Because believing is something we do continually. It's not something we did this one time in the past. It's it's. It's not about this moment in time where I said yes. It, it, some people have that very clearly in their in their in their past. They can take you to the place, the time, what they were wearing, who was in the room. They can give you all those details, and that is phenomenal. I don't know that we have to discount though the people who say, you know, man, I don't have that assurance because I don't really remember. And I think God's word is going to give us a little bit of light on that because believing is something we do continually. It's not a one-time decision. Believing is something that we have to, to, to build in, in a pattern in our lives. And God's Word speaks to this, I believe, very clearly. It says that uh, this is Jesus. I'm sorry, I didn't set this up well. Jesus, in John chapter 6, this is Jesus speaking. And He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Now, before we go any further, I think this is a great word for us to know that either through our own sin, our own insecurities, or the enemy speaking lies to us, it's not unusual to think that something in our past, something we've done, who we were, who we used to be, would would cause Jesus to push back and go, no, 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 I can't love you. I can't have a relationship with you because of that. Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The truth that I believe God's word would communicate in that is that even though we've sinned, Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus gave his life as the, as the propitiation, the payment, the penalty. The penalty for sin is death. And Jesus said, I have paid that. And I believe that when he says, whoever comes to me, I, will, I certainly won't cast you out. If he died for you, do you think, and to cover your sin, do you think any of that stuff that you and I may wrestle with in our past is going to keep him up and cause him to push us away. Scripture says, absolutely not. Jesus himself said, I will not push you away when you come to me. He, he goes on, he says, for I've come down from, the, from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. He says, this is the will of him who sent me, that, that of all that he has given to me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Jesus says very clearly, Not only if you come to me, will I not push you away. I'm not going to cast you out if you come to me. He says even further than that, that that I will not lose anything that that the Father sends to me. If God God the Father through his Holy Spirit, and this gets kind of weird, if the Father draws you into a relationship with Jesus and you approach Christ for forgiveness of sin and for a relationship with the Creator, he is not going to cast you out. And he says not even more than that. He says, once you're in relationship with me, I'm not going to lose you. 
And so if, if, we're, if we are in Christ and in a relationship with Christ and, and based on salvation, Jesus directly speaks to the truth that he will not lose you. There's nothing. We're going to see this further pointed out in Scripture. This makes the gift of salvation so unique. This is so cool that he gave us salvation. We didn't earn it. And he says, hey, I gave it to you. But hey, you know what? To make sure it's secure, I'm going to hold on to it. You get to enjoy it. You get to live in it. Just know that I'm holding on to it. You can't lose it because I'm holding it. See this as we progress in Scripture, John chapter 10. It says, "Jesus." this is Jesus speaking again. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Basically, Jesus is saying, hey, those people that belong to me, they know me and they listen to me and they follow my voice. They do what I say. They, they know how to have a relationship with me and they're following me all the way. John chapter 10, moving forward in verse 28, he says, and I give the same group of people, my sheep, I give them eternal life. You're going to live forever with me. He says, they will never perish. You're not going to die. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Such a critical verse when we talk about eternal security, the assurance of of salvation, and whether or not we can lose our salvation. How do we know that we're saved? Jesus says that my sheep, the people that belong to me, that have a relationship with me, no one will snatch them out of my hand. In John chapter 10, he says, I'm the shepherd. They hear my voice. They follow me. They have a relationship with me. He adds such a great and true promise that nobody will take you out of his hand. In, in J.D. Greer's book that I referenced a second ago, uh, he talks about posture. And it's, 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 it's critical when we see this, even continuing in John chapter 10, he says, the father who's given them to me is greater than all, and nobody is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. See, the best, the best proof we were saved in the past is our posture in the present. J.D. Greer, uh, Pastor J.D. talks about a posture, and this is such good. I, I read this example in his book. He says, if you're seated right now, if you're sitting as you're listening to this message, if you're seated right now, there was a point when you transferred your weight from your legs to the chair. And so you might not remember, like, when you consciously made that decision to shift that weight and to... to, to um, to, to shift your the support from your legs to the chair. and that But the fact that you are seated, he says, proves that you did. Your posture, seated, sitting in the chair, proves that at some point you shifted your weight, right, to the chair. And so I think that would lead us to the idea or the question, that, like, what's your posture of faith in Christ today? Are you walking, seated, standing, whatever the posture would be, are you seated? Are you seated in Christ? Are you standing? Are you walking in that faith today? What is your posture in relationship to Christ? Have you shifted to a posture of repentance in faith and faith in Christ and stopped doubting? See, the best proof that we're saved that we were saved at some point in the past is the posture in the present. Like, how are we walking in that faith today? That this doesn't mean that that salvation is progressive, that we get more saved as we grow uh, in that faith. That's not what this means. You see, there's a, 
There's a different term. So salvation, uh, meaning entering into a relationship with Christ and accepting his offer of forgiveness. The penalty of sin is death and, and understanding and acknowledging that Christ paid the penalty for me, me as an individual, me personally. Christ paid that penalty and so therefore I can live in freedom. But he has a plan and a purpose for my life if I will submit my will to his and accept that offer of salvation that I can walk in the fullness of life and follow him uh, forever. But, but sanctification is a process. And so see, it's about progress, not perfectionism. You see, perfectionism is rooted in self. Perfectionism is, is, is more about works. It's more about behavior modification uh, rather than growth. It's, uh, sanctification is a really big church word. It's the process of being made holy or set apart. It's the process. It is a verb. The word is a verb. It is movement toward the being, uh, movement toward being the person God has created you to be, the person God saved you and 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 created you to be. Uh, that walking in that process and that plan. And so, for the really holy people listening, the really big church folks, um, regeneration is a momentary act of going from death to life, this regenerate moment when the spiritual birth is, is kind of how, that, how I read that. Sanctification is the growth, the ongoing process of becoming more like Jesus each and every day that I'm alive. It's a, it's a life of growth. It's learning from the mistakes and embracing a, a life of following Christ, being a disciple of Christ. Jesus says in John chapter 8, he says, so Jesus was saying to those people, to the Jews who had believed, he said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciple. He doesn't say if you, re- if you read my word one time. He says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. He says, and then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I, I believe in this passage that, that we prove to be disciples. We prove to have a, a, an authentic relationship with Christ. We prove to have salvation and uh, being in a sanctification process of growing to be more like Christ every day. We prove that when we continue in his word. That's what Jesus said. You will prove to be my disciples if you continue in my word. This is about progress. It's not perfectionism. This isn't about, did I, do I act right? Do I do the right things? Do I go to church and do I put a little money in a plate? And this isn't about perfectionism. Man, if I do everything just right, then that'll guarantee my salvation. Back to Ephesians. This is not based on works. Salvation is by grace through faith. This is not about works because if it were, then you would be able to brag about it. And so this essentially Jesus is saying, this isn't about how you act necessarily and you doing everything just right. This is about, are you going to continue in my word? Are you going to continue to grow in me? Then you're going to know the truth. You'll prove to be my disciples and that truth will be freeing for you. This isn't about knowing more about Christ intellectually. This is about experiencing him relationally. This is about growing in that connection. It's, it's a, it wasn't a, about a life of, of being mistake-free, uh, never making a mistake or ne- living without sin because we can't do that. James chapter 3, verse 2 says that, that believers, we believers are Christians, we will stumble in many ways. And so we won't live without sin, but how we respond to sin after that that sanctif- after that salvation moment, after we've after as we're continuing in God's word, as we're continuing in Christ, 
we, sin will start to look different to us. We will start to become more like Jesus and view sin the way he does. And so here's a, here's a thought uh, that, I, that I just want to share with you. The sin that took Jesus to the cross should drive us to our knees in repentance. See, progress in the life of a person following Jesus will result in a brokenness towards sin. Our own, the sin in our lives, and the sin around us and in, in, in our friends and our loved ones and in the culture around us. So the question I would ask you today is how do you respond to sin? Are you broken over it? Are you comfortable in it? Do you celebrate it? Does it drive you closer to Jesus? Do you, do you find yourself in prayer when you, when you know you've walked in error of God's way and his will? Do you find yourself on your face, on your knees and before God and saying, God, I repent of this sin. I, I, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to walk in that path. God, give me strength. Give me confidence. Give me direction through your word and through prayer and through other people. Give me accountability and direction to know and, and understand your path and, to, and the courage and strength to walk in it. Because the sin... This is a great marker for our relationship with Christ and the maturity of it. Like the sin that Jesus died for should be the sin that we're broken over. But it's, that leads us to another point. It's, it's about perseverance, not position. It, this, is, this is about our, our perseverance and that continuation. Like, so it's one thing to, be, uh, to, to, to make, not be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Perfectionism isn't the goal. It's not behavior modification and acting perfect. It's about process, progress and growing in it. But as we grow, it's about sticking with it, right? It's about perseverance, not position. In Hebrews chapter 6, I believe God's word again is going to give us some clarity in this. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love with which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. I want to take a time out right here and tell you that I believe that this speaks to the, to the, to the truth that God sees how you are serving. God sees the love that you're not only showing to him and the reverence you have for him, but how you're ministering to other people. And I tell you, that is the local church. And so in this time out, I want to tell you, if you serve in any capacity out front, behind the scenes, during the week on Sundays, whatever the capacity is, whether you give your time, talent, or treasure, I want you to know that you that the God in heaven sees you. He notices your service, how you love him and how you love others, how you minister to other people in his name, and you serve and devote your time and energy to making his name known beyond just in your life into the lives of others around you. So thank you to the volunteers, whether you serve at Southside Church or you serve in any church in any other capacity. Thank you today. I want you to know that the God in heaven notices it and he will reward openly what is done in secret. So thank you for serving and giving of your time, talent, and treasure. God notices it. That's what Paul is saying here of the writer of Hebrews, and, and he goes further and he says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. So as passionate as you are about that, we want you to be as passionate to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. That's Paul saying, or the writer of Hebrews saying, persevere, don't stop. We want you to have the full assurance to realize the full assurance of the hope that lies within you. This is about continuing. The passage speaks to the determination to continue in our faith as an evidence of the decision we've made, the, the salvation that li- the, the joy of salvation that we have li- living within us. It's not the position from a one-time decision that hasn't changed, that resulted in life change. I think there are some people who have made a, made a decision 
for Jesus at some point based on really good preaching, a guilty conscience, an emotionally charged moment. I believe that there's people who have made a decision in those type of roles, and I'm not trying to minimize or, or mock or make fun of or tell you that that decision wasn't authentic. That's between you and the Lord. I don't know that. But what I can tell you about this is sometimes I think it's possible for us to to have a positional transaction rather than a transformational exchange. See, the transformational exchange gives us the strength and determination to continue in our faith till the end. This is about perseverance. This is when we stay the course and continue to walk with the Lord, even in difficult circumstances, even when things get tough, because they always do. This is, this is about persevering in our faith. I, if, if I live in the idea that I said a prayer one time in the past, but I've not continued in God's word and I'm not growing in that relationship and being changed by the gospel, it's going to be easier for that foundation to shift and things to change and my position to seem different. I won't feel like I've got this position in Christ. I've got this standing with the Lord if I'm not persevering and growing in that. It's not enough to say I'm a Christian. I've got to remain persistent in my faith and persevere in that. Acts 13 and 14, uh, Paul is speaking during, and he's on his first missionary journey. Uh, Paul is, and he's speaking to a group of new converts, and he challenges them in, in Acts 13 verse 43. He says, hey, continue in your faith. Continue in your faith. <clears throat> Later in, in Acts 14, verse 22, he's talking to the same group of people. The same group of people is who he's speaking to. He says, persevere even through difficulty. Paul basically tells his people, hey, don't quit. Don't give up. Continue in the word. Continue walking in your faith. Continue when life gets tough. It's no small thing. It is no small thing to walk with the Lord year after year, trial after trial, Difficulty after difficulty, brokenness after brokenness, hard time after hard time. It takes a strong and encouraged faith. But every time we persevere, God gives us a little more strength for the next. I believe we learn so much about the Lord and his plan and desire for our lives. When we persevere and we rely on his strength in those difficult times, that's where we can have the assurance. That's where we can have the confidence to know. So many times we, we consider any kind of tribulation, any type, type of difficulty completely counterproductive to the Christian life. Like, man, I said yes to Jesus and man, life's just going to be ice cream and unicorns from here on out, man, let's go. That's contrary to God's word. Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. He said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. It's a mark of a maturing believer, of somebody who is continuing in God's word, persevering in that when we are determined to continue despite the difficulties of life. See, the Christian faith is about continuing throughout the circumstances, perseverance. This is how we can read this statement with, with confidence. We're once saved, but we're forever following. I, I may be once saved. I may, I may or may not be able to go back and go, yeah, man, I was, I was saved this one time at camp or in a church or with a, you know, in a room with my parents or, you know, with a friend in, 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 a, in, a, in a coffee shop. Once saved, but you know what? This forever following peace, that's where I feel like we can have the assurance that, that God offers us through eternal security that he holds for us. 
as we've said yes to Christ, we've submitted our life to him, we've accepted the gift of salvation and we want to walk in that. As we walk and continue in the word and growing that and that truth continually is setting us free and, and we're going through a process of sanctification and growing to be more like Jesus each and every day based on reading his word and time with him in prayer and, and, and that accountability with others, other believers, we are forever following him to, to, to be to be confident and secure that what he holds, he will not let go of. Because saving faith always endures to the end. I want to leave you with this. When, when we examine the, the idea of the Christian faith and we, we, we try to wrestle with and answer the question, can I lose my salvation? I believe that we can clearly see based on God's word and uh, in, in different places through Scripture, that, that the answer is no. We can't lose something that we aren't holding. And since it's sealed up in, 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 in the hands of our Lord and Savior, since Scripture tells us that since He holds it, nothing can take it out of His grasp. There's nothing that can take it away from Him. And I want, I want to leave you with what I believe may be, in my opinion, one of the greatest chapters written in all of Scripture. Now, it's all God breathed. And, and, and Tim, Paul tells Timothy, all scriptures, God breathed, it's profitable, it's good for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, the person of God, will be equipped for every good work. And so scripture is good for every area of our life so that we can go do what God has called us to do. And so I don't believe there's any piece of this that's any better than the other. But individually, there's passages that speak to us based on our life and where we've been that just give us a little extra confidence about who God says he is and who, who as a result of who that makes us. Romans chapter 8. From the very beginning, Paul is writing. He says, there's no, he gives encouragement to you and I as we read it. He says, there's no condemnation for the people that are in Christ. If you have a relationship with Jesus, whether you started that yesterday or whether you've been walking with the Lord for decades, he says, there's no condemnation for you. He, he goes forward in, in verse uh, 26, Paul describes this, this, he begins to describe this victory that we have in Jesus, this confidence and, and assurance in this victory, this, this overwhelming feeling that we can have that we are victorious and powerful in, in, in Christ. And he gets to verse 35. And I'm going to put it on here because I, I, just, I just want us to read it together. Paul says, who, who, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He says, just as it is written, for, for your sake, we were being, pour, we were being poured out, uh, being put to death all day long uh, as we were uh, considered sheep to be slaughtered, is what Paul says. Paul, Paul's saying, hey, man, we've served you in this way. We've given the, our lives in this way uh, for the gospel's sake. He says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. So through Christ... When you have a relationship with Jesus, there is no part of life that God says that you aren't, that you aren't able to conquer through his power, through the power, uh, through, through him who loves us, through Christ. Paul's going to go on. He says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Paul says, let me just go ahead and throw this in. And nothing created will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
This is really practical. And it's very straightforward. And Paul says, there's nothing that has ever been created that can separate you from God's love through Christ. And so I want you to hear me say this today, that if you have made a decision for Christ, if you made that decision and you are walking in that and and you have surrendered your life to him and you, you want to continue in his word and grow in that relationship, I can tell you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, God's word, not Alan, not anybody else, God's word says that nothing can separate you from his love. And so I believe when we, when we look and we try to answer the question, can I lose my salvation? No, because nothing can separate you from God. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing created, and we are created, so even myself I can't separate me from God's love as I continue in his word, as I, as I, as I persevere in difficult circumstances, as I make progress, knowing that I don't, I, it's not about perfectionism and how I act. It's, it's about how I live out the gospel in my life through God's power working in and through me. I believe the answer to this question is easy to find in God's word. The answer is no, we can't lose what God holds. And Jesus said, That if we come to him, he won't turn us away and that he'll hold on to us forever. And so I believe that should speak, uh, God's word should speak very confidently to you today to give you assurance in your salvation that that your eternal security is bound up in heaven in the hands of your Savior and nothing can take it away. And so would you bow your head and close your eyes today? Hey, if if something in this message today and and our time together has prompted further questions for you, if you made a decision that, that you want that assurance that comes from saying yes to Jesus of having a relationship with him and, and continuing in his word and, and seeing what his plan is for your life. You made that decision today. Hey, we want to celebrate with you the greatest decision you'll ever make. And we want to celebrate that with you. We want to give you resources and put things in your, put resources and, 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 and tools in your hand to help you live confidently with that assurance uh, each and every day as you grow to be more like Jesus and you rely on him for the strength to walk through life. Would After this, there's going to be a screen pop up with some information on how you can connect with us. Please know we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to be a resource for you, answer any questions you may have, and encourage you as you begin this life of faith. Thanks for joining us today. Take care. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.